welcome to Way to Live, the holistic well-being podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Connolly. Hoping you had a great Father's Day weekend. I know I did. So glad to see my dad. And that you're starting this Monday feeling refreshed and ready to take on the week. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a special guest for my second episode. Dr. Tracy Brower from Michigan is the Principal of Applied Research and Consulting at top furniture manufacturer, Steelcase. She has an extremely impressive background that I will let her talk about after this introduction. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to do this interview for my new well-being podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Chelsea, and thanks for uh, giving me the honor of being one of your first guests. It's awesome. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Uh, Tracy, can you please tell the audience who you are, your background, and what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So my PhD is in the sociology of work, and I really study the changing nature of work and workers and the workplace. Um, I'm a contributor at Forbes.com, and my book is called Bring Work to Life by Bringing Life to Work, in addition to having the privilege of working at Steelcase, as you mentioned. Awesome. Fascinating, right? I love her job. Um, and for those that don't know, can you please explain what CoreNet is, your involvement with the organization, and what the hackathon was? Yeah, absolutely. So CoreNet is the largest association of real estate and facility managers, I think, in the world. And there are lots and lots of us who are furniture providers and solution providers and A&D who are also members. I think I've been a member for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. I don't want to date myself too much. <laughs> uh, and I've spoken for them and been involved in the organization forever. But the hackathon was a very cool opportunity where uh, Cornet really led the way in having, I think, about a thousand people contribute mm -hmm. through a number of different teams. And then mm -hmm. each team focused on uh, different topics in order to think about the future of work in the workplace. And that's kind of how I know of Tracy because of her involvement with the recent Workplace Wellbeing Hackathon. Um, I think there were 30 teams for that topic. So I was part of one. And then I saw that Tracy was part of one as well. Um, so out of all the different uh, topics ranging from space utilization, the autonomous workplace and remote work, why did you select to participate in workplace well-being and what does it mean to you? Awesome. You know, I really selected it because it's so holistic. Like I really, really liked that it touches so many elements of effectiveness, not just in the workplace, but for people. And I always say, you know, the right thing to do is to focus on people. And when we focus on people, really, really great business results come as a result of that. So I really liked the holistic nature of it and really the focus on people. Great. And so diving into kind of your hackathon, um, what were some key discoveries or ideas that your team presented in your final report? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we came across with is we said we want to make a bold statement. One of the things we know is that people are working from home so much right. and we know that will continue. Mm -hmm. Some companies are saying, you know, they're going to continue hundred percent. Some companies are saying, well, not nearly hundred percent, but we'll expect some working from home to continue. Mm -hmm. and so our bold statement was that we think the office has a really critical role to play. And so we had this kind of, just because we can, doesn't mean we should approach right. saying, Hey, 
We could do everything from home, but we know that the office is a really important part of how we work and how we live and what our experience is, both as employees and as employers and as people. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that we did as we talked about this bold statement. The other thing that we focused on is really that well-being is holistic. Mm-hmm. So we looked at the models for well-being, and there are literally hundreds out there. There are. <laughs> like, wow. Um, but we actually settled on Steelcase's model, which nice. I'm you know, a little biased toward. <laughs> but it's really a holistic model that says mm-hmm. that well-being is um, both physical and cognitive and emotional. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, we really want to think about well-being that is individual Um, We need to think about kind of the individual level of well-being, and we want to think about team level of well-being, how teams interact and how they process, but we also know that organizations have levels Mm -hmm. of well-being. So the whole ecosystem. Yes, the whole ecosystem. And we said, you know, we want this to be about culture. We really mixed the ideas of culture and well-being, a culture of well-being. Um, CRE professionals that focus on well-being, CRE as a field that focuses on well-being, um, CRE being corporate real estate. Thank you. I was um, just going to mention that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we said that was important. And the topic of leadership, like leaders who can help with the well-being of the organization and the teams and individuals through empathy, through setting a vision, through helping to people, um, helping people to work through ambiguity, mm-hmm. through helping people to connect. So those were some of the discoveries and findings. It sounds a lot like it's um, also a change management um, challenge. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of what, what was discussed when you did think about that in the aspect of well-being? Yeah, I love that you said that. That's absolutely one of the things that we highlighted was the importance of change management. Because we said, you know, in some cases, the physical environment is kind of the easy part with all due respect to the industry and how hard we all work and how critical it is and complex it is. Mm -hmm. It's really about people and their behaviors, which is even more nuanced sometimes. Um, So we said, gosh, we want to make sure that um, well-being has a measurement um, element to it. Like, how can organizations measure well-being? How can they measure the effectiveness of their culture? Mm -hmm. Um, We also pointed out that choice is really critical. Like, we've always known that choice and engagement are correlated. Steelcase did some amazing research on that, where the more people had choice and control, the more engaged they were. Mm -hmm. Um, But we said, boy it's even more important now because people will have differing levels of comfort in coming back through their anxieties own, and fears. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. Through their own circumstances, maybe the people they're around might be compromised. They might've been through some really, really tough times. So choices for people about, you know, like, do they come back? When do they come back? How much do they come back? Once they're in the office, like what are the choices that are available to them? I might feel safer in an open area, you might feel safer in an enclosed area. Let's mm-hmm. make sure have a really nice selection for people. So perception is reality, right? Like right. chances are we've probably always worked in workplaces that are pretty darn clean, but this is about walking in and maybe it smells especially clean or we see people cleaning in the environment where maybe they cleaned behind the scenes before. So mm-hmm. it's all about like really, really appreciating all of the kinds of work that get done in the office um, and really appreciating that perception and reality. And just a couple other things that we just Yeah, of course. 
One was about kind of process, right? Like how do we think really intentionally about the work that needs to get done and then what work needs to be done in the office with whom? So mm -hmm. it's not just as simple as like, hey, we're going to bring back department A or department B or department Z. We really want to think about what is the office essential work, not workers, everybody essential, but the work that really needs done in the office. So like our team might work on something and we might need a couple of people from this team and a couple from that team and three from that team. And so the team boundary is important, but the work process boundary is also something. To mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I, I like that you did bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really, it's a really good way to look at it. And then finally, we really talked a lot about um, kind of a hub and spoke model. Like we're seeing that as not just an emerging trend, but really a forecast where we think really hard about the purpose for the office. Like, like companies are saying, we might move out of um, urban areas or heavily dense areas, and we might have more satellite locations mm -hmm. in the suburbs, for example. But we might still want our hub location to be all about generative work and co-creation and collaboration. But then our satellites might be for more focused work for mm -hmm. people who don't have a great home office. And, oh, and right. Mm -hmm. home, right. Yeah. Or we still want to go and get access to technology, but they don't necessarily need the commute or the conference rooms once they get there. So we've been really hearing customers thinking hard about the well-being that comes from choice and the way that we think about that expanded ecosystem as you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that did come up in our team as well. We were talking about, well, why are people going into the office, you know, right now? And one of the number one challenges is that the office does have resources, tools, and technology that you are missing at home. Um, so that is definitely important of, of a reason to go back into the office. Exactly. We're so hearing about that. And that has a well-being component too, right? Like when my technology is seamless, oh, it just contributes yeah, to my right. quality of life, right? But mm. if I'm have trouble, having trouble getting on or I lost my connection or oh, it's that slow so frustrating. delay, yeah. right? It's mm -hmm. friction. It's cognitive dissonance. So it has a lot of well-being aspects to it. Everything affects our well-being. Okay, and um, so I know that it was a collaborative response to workplace well-being in a post-pandemic world, um, but what are your thoughts on how you think the office will change uh, post-COVID-19? Yeah, you know, I think this is such an opportunity for us. Like, I think that we're in this moment of, boy, we better make some changes because of COVID-19, which is a really smart way to think. And I think our greater opportunity is to say, how might we have thought about reinventing the way we think about work? How mm. might we think about reinventing the workplace? So the immediate impetus is COVID and the longer term opportunity is for us to influence toward really reimagining and really thinking about work and workplace in some new ways. So I like to think about kind of pre-vaccine and post-vaccine. Mm -hmm. so pre-vaccine, it's all about, right, phased re-entry, safety, new approaches to circulation, distancing, geometry, right? So um, we at Steelcase talk about geometry, density, and division, in addition to the things that I talked about. So that's pre-vaccine, right? And hopefully we'll get to a point that we have a vaccine and we can think about that bigger picture and reimagine. And I am 
an optimist kind of at heart. Uh-huh. And I think that like we've all been doing great work in our home offices, right? Like we're pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're doing good work and we're productive. <laughs> but I think that we're really appreciating the office. Like things that we may have taken for granted now are like, oh my gosh, I so miss that. Work I really miss day. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I so miss like coming to work and like standing side by side with my colleagues at a whiteboard with post-it oh, notes. Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want that again. So I think that we're going to be in a situation where we see offices that improve, that become even more stimulating, that become mm-hmm. more welcoming, that are places where we just really, really feel like we can bring out our best, that it brings out our creative energy, that it brings out our ability to focus or learn in new ways. So I think it's going to be about that. I think it's going to be all about connection and community Mm because I can do lots and lots of stuff from my home office or from a third place or a fourth place. The thing that I really want from the office is that connection with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. It's a face-to-face connection. And I think the other thing that we're hearing and that I think is going to be a really cool opportunity is this complete ecosystem, a really comprehensive ecosystem with lots of variety, um, lots of within a campus, a small office can have different kinds of choices for people. So I think we're going to continue to see work from home, but work from home will be part of a palette of choices that people Mm -hmm. make both on campus and potentially off campus. Absolutely. I I completely agree with that. Um, A lot of what you said reminded me of um, kind of what we discussed about in our group was the Maslow's need um, hierarchy of needs. So um, the immediate is, you know, addressing our immediate need to solve for safety and health right away. But then the long-term being, you know, com- connection, community, that self-actualization of how a space and how a workplace can perform to optimize well-being. Yes. So we talk agree. about, <laughs> I've been talking about Maslow like every <laughs> We learned about it in high school and it has so much applicability. It does. We've spent, we've spent so much of our professional lives worrying about the top of the um, pyramid, right? Like belonging, making sure people feel mm-hmm. valued, making sure people have a sense of self-actualization. And we've all been kind of bumped right back down to the bottom of the hierarchy. I was just going to say that. Yep. So we were, you know, before, co- I think before COVID, we were at self-actualization, I think in our industry. And so now we're going all the way back down and starting over. But I think it's great because um, it helps us kind of start over, like how you mentioned, and build upon what was already, you know, working well to make sure that we create better buildings for people. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. It'll be good to get a little back up to the top. Yes. <laughs> Someday that will happen for us. Hopefully. Um, okay, so uh, I have another question for you. Um, this has to do with um, a cultural shift. So how much of a shift do you anticipate companies better prioritizing employee health and wellness in their offices and beyond? You know, I love that you have this question. I think it's so right on because my expectation is that there is going to be so much more attention to this by companies. In fact, I wrote an article a little while ago about five predictions for the future based on kind of what we've been through. And one of them is that I absolutely believe that companies are going to focus more on this. So we know um, there have been so many studies lately by lots and lots of organizations, but we know that 
75% of people are experiencing a level of social isolation. 67% of people are experiencing stress. 57% of people are experiencing anxiety. And like the list goes on, right? The interesting thing is the longer we're in our home offices, the more we're experiencing those things. And so there's something about being able to get out, having a sense of autonomy, being able to feel connected that's so critical to our well-being. Mm-hmm. And so lots of companies have have expanded their programming, right? They've got Mindfulness Monday and, you know, yoga on Tuesday with Christine and Wednesday wellness days, right. financial mm-hmm. training seminars. And my expectation is that those programs are going to continue mm-hmm. and they're going to continue to be expanded because I think we're really seeing this surge of mental health concerns and issues for people. And the only way we can be our best as employees and the only way employers can be their best and organizations can be their best is if we can absolutely kind of bring it all to the workplace and feel like we've got a sense of psychological safety and Mm -hmm. we can be our most creative and our most innovative and take appropriate risks and feel connected and so that is all about like an ability to kind of um, care for people from a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's back to that kind of holistic model, right? We need to think about people's um, physical and cognitive and emotional mental health. And so I really see companies shifting in that direction. I hear them talking about it. I hear them investing in it. And um, it's all about kind of, again, starting with people and that's the right thing to do. And we can be better um, both as individuals and teams and organizations if we shift in that direction. So I was just reminded of something um, that our team talked about. And I think that companies that already invested in well-being, of course, they're going to continue their investment and, you know, heighten it a little bit. Um, But for companies and cultures that didn't invest in well-being, it's a huge cultural shift. Um, Do you have any comments on that? Oh, that's a great point, right? Um, Yeah, I think that a lot of times the challenge for companies who haven't already invested is that they've got to figure out how to make the business case. Like they haven't invested because they've believed either there's a barrier to invest. And so I think that that's probably the opportunity is for companies to really think about the payoff so that they can feel good about making that investment. And I always think that language matters a lot, right? Like if we think about it as a cost, it will feel like something that's just draining away from us, mm-hmm. but it really it's an investment with a positive upside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's going to be interesting. I think the other interesting trend that we're seeing is lots of companies are saying we're so productive and we've been able to be really, really effective, even though we're all at home. And I think we're seeing that productiveness is maybe on the focus or the task side, but people are really reporting they want to get back to the office and Mm -hmm. feel that sense of connection and the need for collaboration in person. And I think we're starting to hit a wall, right? Like we can, we can do this, right? We can buckle through, push through, through, right? But I think we're reaching this point where we're going to have to think about um, how we support people through and then beyond. And so I think that's going to be the opportunity is to make that business case for well-being. I think we're at an important point right now in time. Um, you know, it's been three months since quarantine. I think people are starting to itch for um, socializing and being part of a community um, in a workplace. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how everything pans out. Um, and did you have a chance to uh, read Cornette's final summary? Um, so for those that don't know, 
Cornet, the organization who we've been talking about, um, they collected about um, the 30 different teams who um, ideated on workplace well-being, and they created a final summary report. Um, would you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, like I really liked how it brought in so much, right? Like that's a huge challenge in terms of synthesizing all <laughs> of that work. Uh, whoever did the work did a great job. Right. It. Like I really like that it focused on both the now and the near and the far, because mm -hmm. I think we need to think about all of those. And I think it did a really nice job of thinking about not just the workplace, but also the experience of employees, right? Um, I really love the model that is, it's another pyramid, I guess, like Maslow, right? But you kind of start with experience and experience drives different beliefs. And when you believe differently, you tend to behave differently mm -hmm. and that in turn drives results. And so it's that really focus on creating an experience and the workplace is part of that, both in the near term and in the long term. So I really appreciated that um, the report kind of brought out some of those kinds of themes. And uh, thinking about themes and strategies, do you see Steelcase adopting any of the strategies that were set forth by Cornette in the final report? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we have always been all about um, well-being. I think we've always been really holistic in thinking about the employee experience and deeply understanding kind of the space and how that works. Um, but one of the things that we pay attention to is a model for um, work experience. And so we kind of start at the center with what are the organizational outcomes? What are the company business drivers? What do we really want to um, achieve in terms of objectives? Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, we think about the elements of culture, the elements of process, the elements of tools and the elements of space. And so it's really about bringing all of those together for that to be effective. And so we're thinking about return to work. We're thinking about the near term and the long term. Uh, we did a really interesting survey with people where we found that about a third of people were eager to return about a third of people were not so eager to return. Mm -hmm. And about a third of people were, you know, a little ambivalent. And they would say, you know, I'd like to return, but this, or I'd like to mm -hmm. return when that. Mm -hmm. Really, really fair that people are in different places. And that's based on their situations and their own um, kind of unique needs. And so what we want to do is really be able to kind of meet people where they are. And that's about well-being, right? That's mm -hmm. about kind of thinking about the person in a holistic way and really um, being very focused, not just on the business results, those are critical and we're absolutely focused on them, but really on the experience that we're creating overall. So I'd say that's, that's kind of where we're at. Others at Steelcase may see that differently and may describe <laughs> that differently, <laughs> but I, uh, I think- But that's your perspective of it. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> and uh, do you know if Steelcase is gonna be returning to the offices anytime? Have they given a date? Yeah, I mean, we're, um, we've got offices all over the world. And so obviously, we're staying in tune with uh, country, federal, state guidelines, etc. We're being um, based like one of our um, primary locations careful about you know, following the state guidelines in terms of when people can come back. We've got um, really detailed plans in terms of people wearing masks and um, lots and lots of social distancing. We've been planning really carefully for customers to come back and making sure that that's a really safe experience, um, including, you know, on the jet coming in and, uh, you know, when they're, when they're staying with us for a while. Mm -hmm. So 
we're really paying attention to all of those things and being the whole experience, their whole journey. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. It's good to hear. Um, and I think for my last and final question, um, what advice would you give to people listening in who are not from our industry? Um, and how to best manage their well-being during COVID and a return to work. Yeah, you know, I just think <laughs> the thing that I come back to, I know we use this analogy a lot, but it's kind of that, remember when we used to fly on airplanes now and then? Do you remember that? In the, in the <laughs> oh, case? right, yes, that used to happen. Yeah, remember that used to happen. There's that really great thing about put on your own oxygen mask before helping the person who's mm, with you. Mm-hmm. I think that is a really apt analogy for well-being. So I think it really is about kind of being intentional about focusing on your well-being and knowing that your own um, well-being is really, really critical to you, but also to people around you. So I think being intentional is one. I think the other thing about well-being is that all the research that I have been doing is it's so much about our feeling of connectedness our feeling of community. Um, There's a brilliant book called The Village Effect by Susan Pinker that talks Mm. about how every element of our well-being and our health, our morbidity, our mortality is connected with feeling like we're with people. And we might be introverted or extroverted. We might have different um, uh, preferences for the proportion of time we spend with others, but we need that connection. We are herd animals and tribe animals and our instinct is that there is safety in numbers. And that's been hard because we've had to kind of shelter in place and Mm -hmm. and whittle down in terms of our focus. So I think that's another really important part of well-being is staying connected and finding ways to be connected even in these unusual circumstances. And just two other things. Um, One is all about movement, right? Like Mm -hmm. movement is about our physical well-being, but when we move, we learn, we cement knowledge, we have better memory. It's just really better for our brains and our um, ourselves in all ways. And sleep is also really critical. Yes, quality another, of sleep is so important. Yes, and it's hard to sleep when things are upside down. So, But it's so important. There's a great book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. And so sleep hygiene is really, really helpful as well. So lots of, lots of good ideas there, but the more we can kind of get up at the same time every morning and really kind of stay away from blue light as much as possible. um, Those are things that will help in terms of our um, brain science Mm -hmm. and knowing how our brain. Circadian rhythm. Got it. Yeah. So getting enough sleep, moving enough, staying connected, being intentional about all of that are kind of the, the good takeaways. I love that you mentioned that because um, that's what I love about well-being is that everything is interconnected. And so it's, it's good to kind of have a holistic approach because one's going to feed into another um, rather than just focusing on, you know, one part of your well-being and health. Yeah, it's so true. It's so interconnected. Mm-hmm. That's beautifully said. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on my second episode. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll end this episode. Um, And thank you so much, Tracy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on your podcast. And I really appreciate being part of it. And next week, I wanted to discuss the importance of traveling, seeking new experiences, and being exposed to diverse cultures. And as we head into America's 4th of July holiday, I thought it would be important to also touch on the current situations happening in our country and how the future of America 
might impact our well-being. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and tune in for the next one. I'm your host, Chelsea Connolly, signing off and wishing you a healthier and happier way to live.